No one holds command over me. No man, no god, no prince. What is a claim of age for ones who are immortal? What is a claim of power for ones who defy death? Call your den or hunt. We shall see you I drag along to listen to this show, part of the Goblin Broadcast Network at GBNCom.com. Welcome, traveler upon the Sea of Dreams. You've found the island of the Bear's Grove, and we honor the custom of hospitality here. For the next 30 minutes or so, I invite you to join us for adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art. Be welcome. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. TSFPN.com. Well, we have a good show for you today. First, I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to game with me. Uh, that might seem very egotistical to you, but what I'm trying to get at is um, specific styles of play. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, the many ways to play. This is my way. I'm not trying to say it's perfect or better, but it's my way. And I thought you might be interested in hearing what it's like to game with me. Then we have a short feature called The Character as Self. And finally, we're going to end up with another installment of our sex segment called Sex in Magic. The Bears Grove is an adult podcast and as a result may reference mature themes or explicit content. If you're not an adult, or even if you are and choose not to act like one, you're invited to turn the podcast off now. Thanks. This is the lucky 13th episode. 13 is actually quite a lucky number. A lot of people have superstitions about it, but I can tell you that it is very lucky. There's a lot of good things about 13. The thing that comes to mind first is just that uh, there were 13 people involved with the whole Gospels. Uh, There were 12 apostles and Jesus Christ. That makes 13. A lot of people don't think about that. Also, there are 13 moon phases per year, so they're called lunations, actually. So 13 is really a good number. It's a sacred number, and I'm so glad to be at number 13. By the way, it's a new month. Go and vote for us at the Podcast Alley. It's not hard to find. If you want to do a search for the Bears Grove, it'll come right up. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards, Andrew McKee and Mark Gunn and their podcast, which you can find by going to www.thebards.net. Hi, I'm Corey Doctor of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. If you speak your mind in your blog or podcast, you need EFF. Protect your free speech rights at EFF.org. I don't tend to get political on the Bears Grove, but I can tell you that the EFF deals with things way outside the realm of just the merely political. So you're going to need to really think about the next time you need to do a donation to a charity, the next time you want to uh, celebrate the fact that we have freedom of speech, go to the EFF and send them some money. I think that uh, they do an incredible job and they need all the help they can get. Next up is a promo I think you might find interesting. 
Hi, this is Mick Bradley, Ray Lamond, and Chris Miller. We're from the House of the Harping Monkey, the online fantasy tavern for gamers and fans of fantasy, myth, and geek culture. If by some small chance the stuff that they serve you in those other fantasy taverns isn't spicy enough or out there enough for you, you might want to consider asking your friendly servers that would be us for a bottle of Misfit Brew. It's not for everyone, to be sure, but... If you're one of those rarefied folks who thinks maybe, just maybe, you're not sure, but you think we actually go somewhere when we dream. Or perhaps that flash of movement you saw at the corner of your eye in the woods last evening was maybe a fairy? Or if you just like geeky essays. Or if you wonder if, on some mystic, collective, subconscious level, Middle Earth was real. Or you actually think that maybe there's something to the Harping Monkey motto, myth is truth. Or if you just like geeky essays. If you're not necessarily a sucker for every paranormal, preternatural, new age claim that's out there, but you can't help but wonder if maybe, just maybe, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophies. Or if you just like pretentious Shakespearean references. Then you might like a taste of Misfit Brew. So come visit us at the Harping Monkey Tavern at harpingmonkey.com. Your first pint of brew is on the house. Actually, they're all on the house, aren't they? Okay, so even better. Misfit Brew, a podcast from the House of the Harping Monkey. Available at harpingmonkey.com, iTunes, and lots of other fine podcasty places. Slancha! apparently these people have been doing an incredible job doing podcasts all this time and i just now found them it's amazing um they're wonderful and i really recommend them not to mention that i had an essay in episode number nine so take a look another podcast that might be interesting to you is Shadow Dance. Um, Chris Miller also does this along with uh, Michelle Belanger. And uh, I'm familiar with Michelle from uh, Polyamory Weekly podcast. So maybe one day all of my podcasts will all be connected together and I'll just have to listen to one. You can find them at shadowdancepodcast.com. Probably play their promo next week. Coming up next, I'd like to invite you to find out how it is to game with me. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about what it's like to game with me. Um, if you have game with me and you hear this and you think that maybe I'm not being altogether honest or accurate, please feel free to email me and uh, give us your feedback. Uh, the email for the Bears Grove is bearsgrove at gmail.com. Okay, well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the fantasy game that I run, um, it's called Core and I. If you've been listening to our podcast now for a while, uh, you'll know a little bit about it. Um, the characters in Core and I are all heroes. That means they have enough power and enough ability to get things done. They don't. They didn't just fall off the turnip truck. They have stuff that helps them be heroes. Uh, what they do and what they say matters. And I like for people to really like their characters. Now, that means essentially you get the character you want, 
if you can tell me what that character is. Um, and it is a fantasy world, so things are writ large and people are larger than life. The stories revolve around the characters, and I create stories for your character to be a part of. I go into your character's background, find plot hooks that will help flesh out the stories that are taking place. A lot of people find that their character's old lovers or uh, family members or even distant cousins sometimes get pulled into the story. Now, in my game, the bad guys think of themselves as the heroes of their own stories, and they have plans. They have friends. They have allies. They have um, their own character arc, their own story arc. Um, things tend to happen outside of the character bubble and the bad guys continue to work and plan they're not stupid at the same time they're not omniscient so this is not an adversarial relationship the storyteller and the players i see as being uh, collaborators on their own uh, story so i do story arcs for each character that means i set up a story in what might be thought of as a throwaway scene Um, sometimes there are several seemingly throwaway story scenes, but everything builds on each other and there are hints as to where the story is going in the overall scheme of things, but nothing is set in stone. I don't like to railroad the players. I like to give the players uh, opportunity to sort of say where they'd like to go, what they'd like to do. And, um, what their character does in response to what's going on does have a lot of effect. Um, all hope is never lost in the story, but sometimes heroes can stray from the path, and there is a sense that sometimes it has to get really bad, really dark and awful, before good things can happen. Did I mention that I do big epic stories? These stories usually have world-spanning consequences and... They're about powerful wizards and gods and dragons and really big epic stuff. We play a blended diceless game, as far as Eric Wujic would have said. It has a passing resemblance sometimes to Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 edition, but that is just because I've been too busy or lazy to create the Core and I role-playing game, which is really what should happen. I was listening to Misfit Brew number 9, and Mick was talking about the folks over the over at The Forge, which is the uh, website nd-rpgs.com. What was really interesting to me about that was that uh, he was really upset. A lot of people... Uh, seemed to say that the games he was playing weren't real role-playing games. I think that uh, the gamist, narrativist, and simulationist uh, theories that they have there are interesting to think about, but as a tool to use to create uh, new games, it's a bit unwieldy. The website itself is quite obfuscated with jargon and uh, you have to spend quite a long time to get to the point where you can actually follow what is being said there. Uh, if you do spend that time, you do find some interesting stuff. There are a few really cool game ideas there, but for the most part, I find that the gamist, narrativist, simulationist paradigm is pretty limiting. It's constantly having to figure out, well, is this gamist or simulationist or narrativist or whatever? And frankly, 
if it's a good story and a good time and everybody's having fun, what does it matter? That's my opinion. For my game, definitely you might be told that this is a narrativist game. It's a blended diceless, like I was talking before. We do roll dice every so often, but very, very rarely. We do have some combats where we have uh, all the D&D rules brought in, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, but that's really when we're just feeling like a real combat kind of game. Most of the time, though, we just figure things uh, will work out, and, we'll, and we have some uh, skill checks and so on. You know, if somebody's a really cool hero, they're not going to get gacked by some random yokel on the street. They're going to uh, kick butt and take names. That's just exactly what we expect out of our heroes, right? At any rate, uh, coming up next, we have a segment called The, the Self as a Character. players are not actors. They're gamers who act. This is an important consideration for people to understand. You don't have to be able to totally create a brand new personality just to play your character. The best characters are the ones that are variations on your own personality. I've had several people, not just Cynthia, tell me that they didn't think they were very good role players because all I play are characters that are basically me. That's fine with me. If that is what you have for me, that is what I want. It is enough for me to know that you know this about your character and that you're working to make sure that you don't just play it by rote. I think this is the bar which keeps a lot of people from ever even trying to roleplay. You don't need to be perfect. You don't have to have 100% perfect lines, say just the right thing, use accents and mannerisms. You just need to be there and to try. Every so often, it may be useful for you to examine what part of your character is you and what part of your character has just been added on, either by the setting or by the story or just out of some random, unknown process. This is not to say that you're prevented from trying different things, but I think that the point of playing a role-playing game is that you need to enjoy yourself. If you don't enjoy yourself, why bother? Think of your character as a mask that you wear. It is still your body and voice under the mask. It's you, in a way, but the mask is not the person. In a way, the same thing goes for storytellers. If you game with someone for a long time, you'll notice that there are certain characters that are reoccurring, even though they may be showing up in different settings, genres, or games. This is because most storytellers are just not capable of creating brand new, totally realistic, different characters each time they need one. Keep in mind the fact that you have these tendencies and do what you can to change it, but at the end of the day, make it easy on yourself and enjoy. Next up we have Sex and Magic.
just in case you missed it last time, in the interest of being responsible, I'd like to repeat the guidelines to using sex in your gaming that we came up with last time we talked about sex. In order to have sexuality in games, you must first make sure every participant is a consenting adult. Second, help everyone understand explicitly the barrier between the game reality and real life. Third, whenever possible, use third-person declarations, fade to black, and metaphor as an aid to comfort in describing sexuality in the game. Now, when talking about sex in gaming, I don't think I even need to talk about the traditional topics of nymphs, satyrs, succubi, and the like. You can always look at the monster manual and dream fondly of these characters. They're all very well and good, but they're a very old hat. So we'll go on to another topic. What is interesting to me is that sex and magic has been a very powerful force in myth and story. Think about Morgan lying with her brother Arthur in an act of ritual sex during the sacred rite in Mists of Avalon. And in Laurel Hamilton's Mary Gentry books, the main character uses sex to open up more of her own magical powers. The mystical acts of sex in the Cushiel books by Jacqueline Carey allows the main character Phaedre to both have great influence and great self-knowledge. In the real world, there are many cultures that hold sex as a religious or powerful magical process. Tantric yoga deals with the kundalini energy of sex between a man and a woman. Aleister Crowley had a lot to say about sex magic. But what ideas can we use in our magical stories borrowed from these traditions? Well, the idea here is that the sexual act is a very powerful event The process of having sex is what generates the magical energy. So sex magic takes time. It's not something you'll be able to start in the midst of combat. Obviously, it's something that requires some planning and a safe place to start, and it requires that your sexual prowess be up to the task of performing on demand, not something that everyone can do. And like any powerful ritual, disrupting the progress of the ritual can have disastrous consequences. Story-wise, a pair of magicians could be enacting sex magic while another party group is elsewhere preparing to take advantage of the magical effect the couple is creating. Or, perhaps our player characters might be feverishly hunting for a magician performing sex magic in hiding to stop a magical effect they need to have cancelled immediately. There are also plenty of mythic references to gods and goddesses inhabiting the bodies of people and having sex with them in order to create some kind of miracle. Of course, this starts to bring into question the concept of consent. Can a priestess really say no to her god if he embodies himself or possesses another? Well, maybe not in the context of the story, but here's where story and game play differ. The player still should be able to consent or not to consent to the situation, even if the character does not feel he or she has that option. You can always fade to black, but the best storyteller will check ahead of time with the player in question. Because sex is natural and many times has to do with the life force continuing itself, those who play characters who are particularly connected with the land and with nature may be affected particularly by sexual situations. For example, a druid who has several particularly powerful orgasms might trigger a change in the weather, even call forth a lightning storm. If this is the case in your story, does that mean your character's druidic order has a code against sexual behavior? Or do they allow it as long as they're careful? 
Then there's the case of inanimate objects in the game that might have sexual uses or, so, or magical effects. In a fantasy world, what's to stop a fertility idol from actually working? Anything that increases the user's attractiveness or charisma might also have an effect on their sex life. And, believe it or not, magical sex toys in an ancient fantasy realm are not totally the stuff of naughty comic books. After all, there is evidence of toys for sex use in the oldest of human civilizations. Admittedly, this is where it starts to get a bit silly, but they still do exist. Then there is the possibility in magical situations where someone's gender might change, either as a curse or a transformation spell, or as the result of wearing a particular magical item of clothing. And that brings us to talking about gender issues, which are separate from, but related to sex. So now you know what the topic will be next time we talk about sex. Gender, myth, magic, and fantasy in, in games. Before we go, I'd like to read a little uh, feedback we got from a fellow by the name of J.J. Working Man Lanza. J.J. writes, Greetings. I wanted to thank you for doing your podcast. Well, you're welcome, J.J. I've been a gamer for years and now have two boys into D&D ages 6 and 9. Thanks to yours and many other great podcasts, I've decided to toss my hat in the ring as well when it comes to podcasting. The URL he lists here is www.fistfullofcomics.com That's www.fistfullofcomics.com I have enjoyed your show so much that I played your short promo in our most recent podcast. I look forward to more of your kids and teens podcast. My boys enjoy listening to it with me in the car. I wish you continued success. Follow your bliss, JJ. Well, JJ, working man, Lonza, I really appreciate you uh, giving me some feedback. Uh, I am very excited about the Dragon Ken podcast that has just come out at feeds.feedburner.com slash dragonken. And... I am also excited that you've gotten into podcasting. It seems like there is a, a natural cycle that uh, many listeners go through. They become podcasters because, A, it's so easy, and, B, it's so compelling. So welcome to the Potosphere. And uh, if you'll get me your promo, I'll be glad to play it on the show. The Bears Grove calls for your feedback, kudos, and or participation. Send an audio file or email us at bearsgrove at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 206-888-2327. You can leave comments at the show blog at bearsgrove.blogspot.com. Place yourself and send us a shout out at our Frapper map at frapper.com slash bearsgrove participate in our online forum at the gamingpodcastnetwork.com as always we're looking forward to your feedback and you can tell that I do use it when I get it so if you want to be on the show in feedback give me a call send me an email something 
Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Bears Grove. Our music tonight has been in the Goblin Broadcast Network bumper, the song Hellish Dreams by the Leech Master Project. In the opening Fumitaki Anzai's Forest in the Morning. Adagio for Clarinet and Orchestra by Sasha Ludwig opened up the Game With Me section. Patrick Gorman's Bella opened up the Character as Self section. The song Lost Times by Tom Byrne opened the Sex and Magic section. And finally, the Brobdingnagian Bards will end our podcast with their musical homage to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. As always, I hope you have a open mind, an open heart, and an open spirit. And I hope you have wonderful, sweet dreams when you get them. <laughs>